Happy New Year. Good to see everybody today. Well, if you come from even a small family, uh, you're probably familiar with something that we refer to as the family group chat. Now, the family group chat is um, a very special place. Uh, It's like a depository for all kinds of really important and all kinds of useless information that families share with each other. And, uh, and if you have a family group chat, chances are uh, today at some point, you'll get a message that says something like this, Happy New Year, everyone, 2023 is finally here. Now there is a rule in family group chats, you have to have a meme on every uh, major holiday. So somebody will put a firework meme or something like that of 2023 being here. And then maybe you have an overachiever in your family uh, who will post something like this today at some point. What resolutions did you make for this year? And that overachiever question is what I want to pose to you all this morning. I want to be the overachiever in your life right now, asking you the question, what resolutions have you made for 2023? Now, if you were to Google um, what are the top resolutions that people have, uh, it's kind of funny. It doesn't really change year after year if you Google what they were in 21, 22, and now in 23. You see basically the same list of things. Um, Exercise more, eat healthier, lose weight, spend less, and save more money. And the astute people in the room see there's really only two goals that people seem to care about, what their body looks like, right, and what their bank account looks like. Uh, Now, for the Christians in the room, some of us would maybe add another flavor to goals for the new year. In fact, uh, for Christians, most of us, if we were asked what your resolutions are for this year, would have something like, this year I want to grow in my faith. And maybe that's you here today. Uh, As you think about this coming year, 2023, new year, fresh opportunities, you think if there's something that I would like to resolve in this year, it's that I wanna grow in my faith. But if you've ever made resolutions before, if you started out a new year saying, this is gonna be the year that I do it, uh, what you have found, what most of us find, is that most resolutions don't get results. Most resolutions don't actually get us any results. And maybe you have somebody, the realist in your family, who would post that kind of thing in your family group chat. Most resolutions don't get results. And it's true. In fact, you could probably finish the the phrase that you'll hear a lot this time of year, a goal without a plan is just a wish. So if we're serious about accomplishing resolutions, and this would be true of any resolutions, your body, your bank account, or spiritual things, uh, one of the things that people will tell us who are into coaching and people who will strategize about how to accomplish things will tell you, you need to step back. If you want to accomplish a resolution, you have to get a bigger picture of what you actually want to accomplish and then create a plan to see it through. And that's true, as I said, for any resolution that you might have. It would include resolutions about your fitness. It would include resolutions about your finances. Uh, At the end of last summer, I, um, I went down to a gym of a guy who comes to our church named Carl And uh, he's got a a gym called Urban Fit. It's a CrossFit gym in Hatfield. 
And, uh, and we had set up a time where I come down and do a little workout with him. So I went into the, the, the gym uh, on, a, on a summer morning and his wife met me at the door and she talked to me a little bit about uh, how I was doing and what we were gonna be trying to get done that day. And she said, yeah, I think Carl's in the back there somewhere. So I went back to find him and there he is doing a, a walk on his hands around the gym. So I'm thinking, oh boy, this is gonna be a tough day. I can't do that. Uh, so we, we, we said hello and, and what he did with me next was what a good trainer would do. He did a little bit of an assessment. So he checked my balance and he checked my grip strength and he checked um, what, how familiar I was with certain movements and a little bit of my strength and things like that. And then he worked me through a workout that I'm telling you I'm still recovering from like six months later. Uh, we had a good time together. I did end the workout sitting in front of a big fan for about a half an hour. And uh, I think I talked about something with him, but I don't remember what we said. Uh, but if I would have spent more time with Carl over the next couple months, what he would have done as a good trainer is beyond just the assessment and an initial workout, he would have listened to me and hear what I was really trying to accomplish, what were my fitness goals. And then he would set up a regiment for me that would include certain exercises, but it would also include your, my diet and my nutrition and supplements and rest and recovery and a whole gamut of things because in order to reach any goal, whether that's our bodies, our finances, or spiritually, we have to have a big picture of what we want to accomplish and then a specific plan of action. And so if you are interested or would even consider yourself serious about the goal of growing in your faith in 2023, you have to be able to answer this question. What is your plan for growing in your faith this year? Now, many of us, um, our instincts would kick in if we were trying to think about, okay, what could I do to grow in my faith this year? Our instincts would lead us to a, a few different categories. Some of us would think instantly, you know, we have to change our behavior if we want to grow spiritually. And so you might make a list on your phone of things like this. I'm going to read my Bible more this year, or I'm going to pray more, or I'm going to go to church more. I'm going to start serving again, or maybe I'm going to start giving again. Some of us would focus on all the things that we could do differently in 2023. Uh, others of us might think about some new information that we need to get into our minds if we're gonna grow spiritually this year. So you might focus on what you know. I'm gonna start a Bible study. I'm gonna read a spiritual book. I'm gonna add a good podcast. I'm gonna take notes in church. I'm gonna meet with a pastor. And we'd focus on, on the information piece. Uh, others of us might focus more on the emotions of our spiritual life. And so we might have a list like this. I'm gonna play more Christian music this year. I'm gonna practice biblical rest this year. I'm gonna do it. Uh, I'm gonna talk to a counselor. I'm gonna journal my feelings. I'm gonna improve self-care. And for most of us, if we were pushed for an answer of how you're planning to grow spiritually uh, this year, you have to answer right now, what are you gonna do? we would come up with some list like these and then maybe we would pick a few things off that list and by golly, this is gonna be the year I actually do these things. I'm gonna stick to it and in 2023, this is gonna be the year that I actually do all of these things that I know would help me grow. Is that how we're gonna spiritually grow this year in 2023? Well, this is a, a list of some good things up here. In fact, uh, I would say to grow spiritually, a lot of the things on this list should be part of your plans for 2023. Uh, but for most of us, if we've approached spiritual growth like this in the past with a hodgepodge of various activities, 
pick a few off the page and this is gonna be my year, I'm guessing you didn't get great results because most resolutions don't get results. So if you have a goal this year of growing in your faith, what I want to accomplish today with you is to try to give you a bigger picture of what that spiritual growth could look like in your life so that you're able to construct a better plan to make this a year that you actually see spiritual growth in your life. So would you pray with me? And then we're gonna dive into a text together and talk about what spiritual growth can look like for you this year. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you're doing in our lives, even when we can't see it, even when we can't feel it, you are working on us and we thank you for that. Lord, we have an opportunity here, January 1st, 2023, new year. You have plans for us this year. Lord, no one's going to care for our soul like you will, but we have to take responsibility for our spiritual growth. Uh, you have asked us to steward that responsibility. So I pray you'd guide us in these moments as we open your word together and learn about what you say about spiritual growth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this was a year that we as a church changed our church name to Renew Bible Church of Percocy. And uh, if you remember that transition, which happened over a few years actually, uh, one of the things we communicated about becoming Renew Bible Church of Percocy is that our mission was going to stay the same. So our mission as a church was and is growing people of all ages to mature faith in Jesus Christ. But as we became Renew Bible Church, we did have an opportunity to look at our mission statement again with some fresh eyes and drill into specifically what we mean when we say mature faith. What do we want to accomplish in the lives of people who make Renew Bible Church their home? And so what I wanna give you today is really a really like a vision presentation of what we came up with as far as discipleship goes, as far as mature faith goes, what we came up with, our desire for every man and woman and teen and child that calls Renew Bible Church their home, what we desire your spiritual life to look like at Renew. So if you're familiar with scripture, you would know that there are all kinds of analogies that talk about our spiritual life and spiritual growth. So many to choose. Uh, you could probably think of some if you thought about it long enough. But one of the images that's very common in scripture, maybe the most common image in scripture to describe and to talk about spiritual growth is that of a tree. Uh, we see mature faith talked about in these terms uh, in Psalm 1. If you remember uh, that Psalm, which is basically a, a heading for the book of Psalms and really a heading for all of wisdom literature that compares someone that's like chaff with someone who's like a mature tree. Uh, you might remember Jesus uses this kind of tree imagery throughout his teaching, really. He talks about sowers and he talks about fruit and he talks about vines. And then Paul picks up on it, talks about spiritual roots, spiritual fruit. It's all over scripture. But a passage that has become very important to our church as we think about discipleship isn't Psalm 1, and it's not even something Jesus taught or something Paul talked about. The passage that really became one of the texts that inspired this bigger vision of what we want to see people becoming at Renew comes to us in Jeremiah chapter 17. In Jeremiah 17, the prophet there gives us two pictures, one of immature faith 
and one of mature faith. And he gives us some vision language for how to think about our lives in those two categories. And so I want us to start today in Jeremiah 17, starting in verse five. I'll have it on the screen behind me. If you wanna turn there, this is what Jeremiah says. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. So the first thing we're gonna see in this text is really what separates the immature from the mature. And we're gonna see that what separates those people fundamentally is where they put their trust. Here, this first man is cursed because his trust is placed in man. This is a man who draws his strength from himself or maybe from people around him. This is someone who at the core of their being has turned away from or rejected God. This is the person who says, I'm good, God. I got it. This is the person who says, I don't need help from you. I'll do this life on my own. This is the the mom who says, I don't need God's help or God's word for raising my kids. I know what I'm doing. This is the teen who says, I don't really need God's help when I go to high school or when I go out on the field. Maybe someday I'll make some space for that stuff. But right now I am good. I don't need God. I'll call him if I need him. This is the person who has lived that way their whole life. They're going into their elderly years, facing some of the challenges of sickness and loss. And even then they say, I don't want anything to do with God. This is the person who's on social media and consuming content about how to make the most of their life without any category whatsoever of how God fits into that equation. This is the person who trusts in man. And look at the way scripture describes this person. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. So what does scripture say about the person that trusts in man? This is a person with nothing to hope for in their future. This is a person without prospects of, oh, it'll probably get better in my life. And look how Jeremiah doubles down on this shrub in the desert imagery. Uh, Not only are they dwelling in parched places, but they're dwelling in parched places of the wilderness. This is an intense way of talking about the landscape they find themselves in being one completely devoid of resources. This is a person without resources. This is a person that's depleted. And then not only a salt land, but an uninhabited salt land. This person not only is depleted of resources, this person is completely alone by themselves. So what Jeremiah tells us through this imagery of a shrub in the desert is that the person who trusts in man is hopeless, depleted, and alone. Like a shrub in the desert. That's not a great picture 
of what any of us would want to be considered spiritually, is it? Uh, some of you might remember a show that was on a couple of years ago. It was called Man vs. Wild. I don't know if there's any other Man vs. Wild fans in here. I used to love that show, though. Bear Grylls. Uh, I think he was like British Special Forces back in the day, but the guy, you know, they, the way he talks and everything, I could listen to him all day. Uh, but they drop him into these remote environments. And, uh, and once in a while, they would drop him into like a desert environment and he would have to try to survive and teach survival techniques, how to look for food, how to look for water, how to build shelter, things like that. And um, you might remember he did some pretty gross things. I'm not gonna talk about that today. Uh, but, but, but one of the things I remember from when they would drop him into these desert environments is the, the search that he would have to be on to find any kind of resources, food and, and water. I mean, sometimes he'd be down in an old uh, stream bed, digging down feet under the earth, looking for just some moist uh, sand that he could put into some kind of cloth and wring out just a few drops of moisture, just desperate for resources. Or foraging through uh, dead wood or even again underground or in small caves looking for bugs to eat. I mean, that desperate. And that's the picture that Jeremiah gives us Spiritually speaking, when we trust in ourselves, that's how desperate we get, depleted of resources, completely alone. Maybe you've experienced a season where spiritually, that's a pretty good way to describe how you felt. Maybe you went through a season of your life where for years or decades or longer, you told God, I'm good, I don't need you. And then a season of difficulty or drought came and what you ended up looking like was a shrub in the desert, completely depleted of resources and alone. Well, thankfully, Jeremiah doesn't leave us there, but he gives us another picture of what our life can look like, another way in verse seven. So here's what he says in verse seven. Not cursed, but blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. So unlike the man who trusts in man, this man's trust is located, no question about it, in God. And this is what scripture says this person is like. He is like a tree planted by water, picking up on that Psalm 1 imagery that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes for its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought for it does not cease to bear fruit. So this is a tree, even when it encounters difficulty and drought, drought, it doesn't fear like those who are without resources or those who are all alone. This tree not only continues to have green, but it also continues to produce fruit. Unlike that shrub in the desert, with no hope, nothing to look forward to. This tree, even though it has some difficult seasons, we'll all have them. This tree has hope that I'm gonna make it through because I'm not like a shrub in the desert, depleted and alone. My roots go deep down and I can continue to have green leaves and continue to bear fruit, even through difficult seasons. So renew this is the kind of person that we want to develop at Renew Bible Church. 
We wanna develop people who are flourishing trees no matter where God has planted you and no matter what kind of season you find yourself in. Now I have brothers and sisters in this church family who I have watched be flourishing trees through some tremendously difficult circumstances, health trials, financial battles, legal battles, where if they weren't as spiritually mature, they would have become that shrub in the desert. But because their roots were deep down, because their branches had strength, they continued to produce fruit. We wanna be a church that grows people of all ages to mature faith in Jesus Christ. And we get that picture in scripture. It is possible. But how do we accomplish that? Well, at our church, as we've developed our vision for discipleship, we really have developed three categories that we wanna coach into the way our church thinks about spiritual growth. And here's those categories. I got three of them. Your root, your branches, and your fruit. And if you're trying to grow spiritually this year, if you have a goal that I'd like to be in a better place spiritually at the end of 2023 than I find myself right now, I really think these categories and thinking in these categories can help you accomplish that goal. So first of all, our root, who we really are. Now, this category of spiritual growth, this is a category that not many people see. In fact, People don't notice when people have strong roots. It's under the surface. But here's what we mean when we talk about roots. Growing closer to God means growing deeper in the relationship that you already have with Christ. I'm gonna read that again. Growing closer to God means growing deeper in the relationship that you already have with Christ. So sometimes when we have a goal to grow spiritually, we make a mistake. And that mistake is that we think we need something that we don't already have. We wanna grow spiritually, but we think there's something that I need that I just can't put my fingers on. Maybe it's a, a new Bible study plan, or maybe it's a new study Bible, uh, or maybe it's a certain way to pray that I just haven't quite figured out yet, or maybe it's the right group of spiritual friends or the right mentor or the right course or the right group or the right church. And we'll think about all the things that we don't have thinking that the key to our growth is somewhere out there. Now there's a lot of good things in that list I just rattled off. I've benefited tremendously from Bible reading plans, from good mentors and friends but there's something way more fundamental, something not out there that you need to find that is critical to your spiritual growth. And if you don't focus on what I'm going to tell you in 2023, you will not grow as much spiritually as you could. If you're already a follower of Christ, where you need to start in your spiritual growth is to go deeper into that relationship with Christ. I like what Dane Ortland writes in a book called Deeper, and uh, I've given this book out a lot, maybe to some of you in here. He says this, growing in Christ is not centrally improving or adding or experiencing, but deepening. Implicit in the notion of deepening is that you already have what you need. Christian growth, listen to this, is bringing what you do and say and even feel into line with what in fact 
you already are. So if you are a follower of Christ, if you've been united to him in faith, your spiritual growth starts with deepening in that relationship that you already have. And that's not how we often think about spiritual growth. Many times when we think about spiritual growth, we think in those categories I started with, something I need to do different, some information I need, some emotion I need to feel. What Dane Ortland teaches us here is now really where we need to start is going deeper in something that we already have. Now, I sat down with a, a Christian counselor probably about four or five years ago. I had heard from a mentor of mine that a pastor should find somebody they talk about their spiritual life with. And so I found this guy, Bill, who now I'm considered to be a good friend and, um, and a mentor to me. But at the time, I didn't know him super well. And he was reviewing this exact point with me one of the first times that we sat down. He was telling me that in order for me to continue to grow spiritually, um, I, I'm gonna have to focus on the, the simple relationship that I already have with Christ. And, uh, and so I had a little notebook with me and a pen. i have been taking notes as he's talking. So I'm like, hey, sounds good. What do I gotta do to do that? And, uh, and so I'm ready to write it down. And, and he's like, well, no, I'm not gonna give you a bunch of to-dos with that. I'm not gonna give you some things to check off. I'm just telling you that you have to think more fundamentally about your relationship with Christ that needs to be part of your day-to-day, moment-by-moment life. And I'm like, great, how do I start, right? I'm just, will you give me something to write down in my book? So I remember him looking at me and saying, all right, let me draw something for you on my whiteboard. And I remember him drawing this for me. And it's something that really helped me think about this point and live it out in my life. So I wanna show you what he drew for me on the board. He credited somebody with this. And I don't remember who that was. So if you know who it was, tell me. Um, But this is uh, from a book that he was referencing. But um, we all who have come into a relationship with Christ uh, began at least in some part of our life to get some idea of God's holiness and some idea of our sinfulness. Now, maybe that was because you grew up in church or maybe you're just reading the Bible. You had a Christian mentor or Christian parents who taught you these things at a young age. But regardless of how you came to know these things, part of your conversion experience, if you have a relationship with Christ, is you came to understand God was holy and I am sinful. And you recognize that there's a gap between who God is and who I am. And I need to bridge that gap because otherwise I'm in trouble. And then you found out through scripture or through somebody preaching the gospel to you that Christ actually bridges that gap for you. And you put your faith in Christ, you trusted in him. And because of the gospel, the good news of what Christ has done for you, that gap between God and you was finally bridged and you had fellowship with God. What happens in our Christian life though, is as we continue to grow and mature as Christians, those two categories of God's holiness and our sinfulness, we learn more about those things, right? So those continue to grow. Uh, as you spend more time in church, as you're involved in Bible studies, as you read through your Bible, as you learn more theology, you get a better picture of God's holiness than you had when you first came to faith in Christ. You know more about God. And you also get a better picture of how sinful you really are. Right? So if you got saved at five, well, at 40, you have a much better idea of all the different ways you can mess up, right? Now you can sin as a dad, you can sin as a husband, you can sin in all kinds of other ways. And so those two categories continue to grow, but one of our fundamental problems in the church is that even, those, even though those other two categories grow, oftentimes we don't let our understanding of the gospel grow over time. So we end up with a small view of the gospel and what it accomplishes. 
And what happens as a result of that is that gap that the cross once spanned starts to reemerge. The gap between who God is and who I am opens back up. And as Christians, oftentimes we try a few different strategies to close that gap. Some of us will lean heavy into effort to close that gap. We become Pharisees. We become obsessive with obeying all the rules. And so we behave well and we think that makes me okay with God. My behavior, my rule keeping, my law keeping, the fact that I have not done this sin in 18 years and 19 days and 37 hours. And the fact that I've never done that. And the fact that I've really gotten better than I used to be in this area becomes the thing that we lean into to help bridge that gap between who we are and who God is. And uh, others of us maybe don't lean so much into effort. We lean into another strategy and that's excuses. We justify our sin and we think that makes us okay with God. We look at other people in our lives who are just a little worse than we are. Maybe we know a pastor or a small group leader who messed up in a certain way. It's like, well, at least I'm not that bad. And that person has a relationship with God. So I should be okay. We rationalize our sin. We justify our sin. But church family, the problem with both of these strategies, both of these strategies will lead to spiritual death. In fact, what we need to do, even as believers, especially as believers, is allow ourselves to grow in our understanding of the gospel so that once again, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ that bridges that gap between who I am and who God is. Paul talks about this in Galatians that our tendency as Christians so often is to come to faith in Christ and then try to move on to other things in order to grow in our relationship with him. Paul says, no, the way you came into your faith is the way you sustain your faith by leaning into who Christ is and who you are in him. That's why Paul said in Romans 1 that he had a desire to come to that church in Rome and preach the gospel to them, he said. Now, that was a bunch of Christians. Why do they need to hear the gospel? They need to hear the gospel because we forget it so easily and we start to lean into these other bankrupt strategies to bridge that gap between us and God. And so maybe you're a Christian who leans into effort and records and keeping your nose perfectly clean and behaving well, or a Christian that leans into excuses. And in both those cases, you lean into those things to make you feel a sense of I'm okay before God. Both of those will lead to spiritual death. I love what Paul says in Colossians chapter two, verses six and seven, it gets us back to our root language. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. You see, it's not that we receive Jesus and then move on to other strategies in order to grow our faith. We receive Christ and we grow deeper into our relationship with him to grow our faith. Practically, there's a a question I like to ask myself just about every day and without fail every week. What makes me okay today? What makes me okay today? In fact, if you know me well, um, you may know I write the little letters okay on my hand here, not every single day, but a couple times a week. It's not dirt, okay? It's a pen. And uh, I write that on my hand as a constant reminder to myself Why am I okay right now? Is it because I performed well for God today? Is it because I behaved perfectly before him? Is it because I'm not as bad as the next guy? 
Is it because I was a good dad today? Is it because I, I uh, did a good job and my boss is pleased with me today? Is it that my wife is thrilled with me right now? Is that what makes me okay fundamentally? This is on my hand to remind me there's only one thing that makes me okay. Not just at a rational level, but at a deep emotional gut level. And that is that I'm in Christ. It's actually Dane Orland who talks about another metaphor. Most of us know the metaphor of the, the onion. And we'll talk about diff, having different layers as human beings. And he talks about it in that same book, Deeper, and says that if you think about yourself as an onion, those top layers are the most external things about you. Maybe the kind of clothes that you wear or the kind of sports teams that you like. And you peel that away and you're one level deeper. And these are maybe some of your, your beliefs and some of the things that you've come to think about the world. And you pull that off and you're one step deeper. And then it's your convictions and what you really strongly believe. And you pull that off more and it's the relationships that you've built. And then underneath that, it's your family and maybe your spouse. And underneath that, it's your deepest held religious commitments. And if you keep pulling off layer after layer after layer. You know what's at the very center of who you are? If you're in Christ, it's Christ. That's the very center of who you are. That is ultimately what defines you. And so whether you need to write it on your hand or put it somewhere else, we need to constantly remind ourselves day to day, even moment by moment, the only reason I'm okay is because I'm in Christ. And if you don't have that kind of assurance, even as a Christian, your life will be riddled by fear your life will be up and down depending on how your spouse or how your friends treat you, how your work is going. And what Christ offers us is something much more deep, a true identity in him. So that's the first category and the longest one, by the way. <laughs> that's the first category, our root. So we dig down deep into who we are and then built on top of that is our second category and that is the branches or what we believe. And in this category, we learn this, that our relationship with Christ leads to more understanding of truth. Our relationship with Christ leads to more understanding of truth. So I go deeper into who I am in Christ and based on that foundation, built up in me is more understanding of what God has revealed. And the way I'll essentially state this category, it is in essence, taking what God has revealed and making it what I really believe. Taking what God has revealed and making that what I really believe. So theologians will tell us there's a couple different ways that God has revealed himself. There's what we call general revelation, and that's like creation, what we can see in the natural world. Romans 1 tells us there's all kinds of things we can know about God, even his character from what he has made. But then we also have special revelation. And special revelation includes the person of Christ. Remember, he came in the form of God. If you wanna know what God looks like, you can look at Christ. Now, those of us who don't have the privilege of walking on the earth with Christ, we lean into another form of special revelation, which is the word of God. So the word of God for the church today is how we access what God has revealed about himself and about humanity to us. And look at how scripture, and it does this, Oh, like so many places, but look how it does it in 2 Peter. We just studied that book as a church. Look at how 2 Peter connects our spiritual growth to how we understand what God has revealed. It says this in verse 17 of chapter three, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability 
but, and here we are in the, in the tree language again, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And maybe you can think back on time in your life where you're a little more immature in your faith. If you could think back to a time when you didn't know the Lord as well and you were less mature in your spiritual formation, you might remember that people would be talking at the water cooler about something in the Bible or something they read online, or maybe you'd run into something in an email and it would really shake you. You really weren't sure how to take that, what it meant, what the significance was for your life. It's actually a mark of the spiritually immature. They're very easily shaken by any kinds of beliefs or doctrines that aren't quite right because they have not built up in them a better understanding of what God has revealed. They haven't made those their beliefs. They haven't internalized it. So there's a question that you can ask yourself, a simple question, how well do I know the truth that God has revealed? How well do I know that? Many of you are here today in church on a Sunday morning because you've committed to live your life as disciples of Christ. So we can ask ourselves, it's a fair question. It's not out of bounds. How well do I really know what he taught? I did a thought experiment with a, with a class I was teaching one time that if you were to, to send yourself back into the first century, you were walking the, the roads of Palestine at the time that Jesus was alive. What kind of follower of his do you think you would be? Uh, many of us would say, oh, I would be one of those people that was just following him everywhere. Like every time he, he talked, every time he taught, uh, anytime he needed anything, I'd be like right at his heels and I'd just sit down as close as I could to him and just, man, I'd listen to everything he taught if I could have lived at the time Jesus did. But I want you to evaluate that thought based on how you interact with him now. Uh, for a lot of us, if we were to evaluate how we interact with Christ now and sort of assume what that would look like in the first century, we'd have a very casual relationship with Jesus, maybe even be unrecognizable to him. Maybe I saw that guy one time at one of my teachings. Now, one of the things that as a church we've committed as an ideal is to be a church that loves the Bible, right? We are Renew Bible Church. One of the coolest things about even that name change uh, was taking a group of people that have Baptists in their background, Mennonite in their background, Bible church in their background, non-denominational church in their background, a whole lot of others, and come together as a group because we love the word of God and we wanna build a church around it. How well do I know the truth God has revealed? So as we go from our, our roots of who we really are in Christ and build on that with more understanding of what God has revealed and our beliefs get stronger, this is how spiritual maturity begins to work. Our root system feeds up into the branches of who we are and we gain strength in our spiritual life. And that leads us to our third category, number three and our final one, and that is our spiritual fruit. How you act and feel. Now, when we talk about our spiritual fruit, we mean this. Your relationship with Christ and your understanding of truth renews how you live and feel. So your relationship with Christ, who you really are, and your understanding of what he's revealed, what he's revealed your beliefs, work themselves out into more spiritual fruit in your life, how you act and how you feel. I wrote in my notes here a statement that is counterintuitive to a lot of folks, but it's true. Our spiritual fruit, how you act and how you feel, 
is much more a result of your spiritual health than it is how hard you're trying. Your spiritual fruit, how you act and feel is more of a result of your spiritual health, how healthy your roots are, how healthy your branches are, than it is how hard you're trying. And really Jesus pioneered that kind of thinking. In John 15, five, he said this, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Our fruit is born out of abiding in Christ. For apart from me, you can do nothing, he says. So the picture that scripture is giving us here isn't of someone who's forcing love, joy, peace out of their branches, right? It's not by sheer effort that these fruit are appearing. It's a sign of their spiritual health. Who they are in Christ, their roots, feed their branches, what they truly believe, and that works itself out in how they feel and how they live. If you want a pro tip of how to evaluate your spiritual health, somebody told me one time, be a fruit inspector in your own life. Evaluate your fruit. Take a good hard look at your actions and at your feelings. Maybe ask your spouse or a close friend or coworker to evaluate your spiritual fruit. If your spiritual fruit is not there, if you feel crummy all the time and no one sees spiritual fruit in your life, I would actually not encourage you to focus on the fruit. I would encourage you focus on the root, focus on the branches. Sometimes people will, will talk to me about something they're trying to implement in their life and say, hey, pastor, you know, I've been really trying to work on patience as a spiritual fruit. And I, I really struggle with patience. You can talk to my wife about it. I really struggle with that. And I'm trying to work on it. And I don't understand. I can't seem to improve. I, I bought a little wristband with patient on it. It says patient, it has a verse. And I wrote it on my steering wheel and I have it on my screensaver. And I set alarms on my phone, like go off like six times a day. Be patient, be patient, be patient. I have it on my refrigerator and I can't seem to do it. I don't tell them to add 10 more reminders to their day, right? I give them a different strategy. I want you to focus not on the fruit. That'll take care of itself. Focus on the root. Who are you? What makes you okay? Focus on the branches. How well do you know the truth that God has revealed? And that spiritual fruit will flow out of the person that is abiding with Christ. Jesus told us that. So here's a tough question you could ask yourself when you think about spiritual fruit. And it takes us back to Jeremiah's main point. When I faced my last difficult season, did I wither or did I thrive? You wanna know how you're doing spiritually? That's a great question to ask yourself. When I faced my last difficult season, maybe it was a major thing, like a, a major health battle or the loss of a loved one. Maybe it was a financial struggle. Maybe a purchase fell through or something that I bought ended up being a mistake. Or maybe uh, there's a relationship that's deteriorating in your life. What kind of effect is that happening? Is that having on your spiritual fruit? Are your leaves still green? Was your fruit still being produced? Or did you kind of regress into that shrub in the desert? When I faced my last difficult season, did I wither or did I thrive? Be a fruit inspector and answer that question honestly. So big picture that we at Renew Bible Church want you to have of your faith is this. One more time. Your roots, who you really are, go into your branches, what you believe, and that leads into your fruit, how you act and how you feel.
Now I was working out this model with a few of uh, the discipleship team in our church. And, um, and at the time I was working on this model, probably late summer, and, um, and I ran across a passage of scripture that, that Jesus taught. And uh, I was amazed that, to see the progression that we're talking about this morning actually taught by Jesus in a different way. So uh, some of you are familiar with a text where Jesus uses a different analogy for our spiritual life than a tree. He talks about building your house on a, a rock or building your house on sand. And if you remember in that story, uh, a storm came and exposed, you know, which person's foundation was more secure. But look how Jesus' language in that parable maps onto exactly what we talked about this morning as far as spiritual growth. He says this in Luke 6, starting in verse 47. Everyone who comes to me, there's your root, who you really are, and hears my words, there's your branches, what you really believe, and does them, there's your fruit, what you do and feel, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose and a stream broke against that house, it could not shake it because it had been well built. That's another way of putting the big picture that we want for every man, woman, child, teenager, young adult, college student, widow, widower, if you come to this church, what we want for you is spiritual maturity. Think of it as a flourishing tree. Think of it as a house built on a rock. That's what we want for you. So if your goal this year is how to grow your faith, I'd encourage you, don't make a random list of 30 things and try to do them the best you can. I'd encourage you to step back, take a big picture of what scripture says you can be, and use that picture to drive how you work on your spiritual life this year. Now, you know we're in a building project right now, and one of the things we've talked to you about is we wanna have a space in, uh, underneath our uh, extra seating back there that's gonna be like a vision wall. And one of the pieces of that vision wall uh, that we wanna do is put up this graphic um, somewhere on that vision wall with the fruit and the branches and the root. And I don't know exactly where this will be, but I wanted a place where I could walk people to a spot and help them evaluate how they're doing spiritually, to talk to them about their root, who they really are in Christ, to talk to them about their branches, how they really internalize what God has revealed, and to talk to them about their spiritual fruit. But you don't need me to do that with you in a hallway. You can do that on your own. In fact, um, on our website, if you were to go to renewbiblechurch.org, click on Church Life and then Discipleship, you'd see our discipleship page has more information about your roots, about your branches, and about your fruit. And as we design courses and Bible studies and classes every spring and fall and winter, we as a discipleship team will sit down and we'll think about, as we design these courses and set up a new uh, season of groups, what our church needs to grow in at their root level, what they need to grow in at the branches level, and what they need to grow in in the fruit level. And actually, the courses and classes and groups and Bible studies that we have, if you were to click on groups or courses, uh, were designed specifically with that in mind. And 
We also have on that website a cell study page, which we continue to add to. And these are broken down once again into some root things, some branches things, some fruit things on some areas. Maybe you don't have time to join a course or to jump into a group this spring in the way that you would like to, but you have some time to do some study on your own. We've asked some of our discipleship team to accumulate some resources on things like Genesis, on apologetics, on parenting, on relationships, where you can access good books and helpful even online courses, some of which are free, that can help train you in these different areas and focus maybe on the roots, maybe on the branches, or maybe on the fruit. So I'd encourage you as we go into this spring, I used to have a piece of paper on my, on my desk for years that said, nobody drifts into holiness. If you want to grow this year spiritually, it won't just happen. So take the picture of what we've looked at in Jeremiah 17 of that flourishing tree and evaluate your own life. Do I need to grow at my root level? Do I need to internalize more of what God has revealed in my branches? And are there things in my fruit that concern me and would tell me that something in my believing, something in my roots isn't as healthy as it could be? That's our prayer for you as your pastors. Let me close with the verse we read from Jeremiah 17, seven and eight. One more time, the vision that we desire for you if you're a person at Renew Bible Church. Blessed are you, man, woman, child, who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. This is what you could be. He is like a tree planted by water. It sends out its roots by the stream. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your holy word and the challenge that it is to us. I thank you for the way it gently but urgently pushes us toward more spiritual maturity. Lord, you're not okay with us staying immature. And oftentimes you will bring in trials to make sure that we grow. Lord, may we be people that are ready for those, that respond well to those, that remain green even in seasons of drought, that continue to produce fruit because our roots go deep down into who we are, because our tree is strong, built on beliefs of what you've revealed to us. And our fruit continues to be produced even through difficult seasons. God, I pray for Renew Bible Church. May we be a church full of flourishing trees that go through those seasons just as you would have us. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.